welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please go to BethelCleveland.com. anyone said anything, but today is uh, Bethel Cleveland's birthday. Yeah. 24 years ago today, February, no, February, <laughs> what's this, September, that's what pandemic does, September 13th, we, it was actually on a Friday night here in Brunswick, Friday night, Friday the 13th, just to say we don't have any superstition whatsoever, we met on Rosh Hashanah which was a Friday night and the beginning of the Jewish New Year and about 92 people showed up on a Friday night for an information meeting. And I felt, you know, I was up there by the stage. It was at a rec center. We didn't have a building or property or anything like that. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me as clear as a bell and said, you have 45 minutes to convince these people that God has a destiny for them. It's like, okay, are you gonna be there to help out? And uh, so I got up, and it must have worked, because that Sunday, two days later, we had 105 people. So we already jumped like 13 in two days. And then it's, it's just been a wild ride since then. Really appreciate all of you. How many of you, is there anyone here that was there, not necessarily the first Sunday, but in 1996? Anyone here? Stand up just for a minute. Look, one, two, three, four. Four people. It's, oh, five. They're... Memory's coming back, all right. Well, thank you for staying. I mean, uh, out of that 105, we have four, so that tells you something. <laughs> Not sure what that tells me, but we've got some great people here. God's just so glad that God brought you here. We just had a great men's retreat. I'm sure someone may have told you about it. 50 to 55 guys got together down in Mohican. It was a powerful time together. And just a fun time of uh, getting to know one another. We've got some great guys in this church God's raising up, and you could feel the bonding. Guys, I know ladies need that too. Yeah, ladies do it more natural, I think, than guys do. But guys got together. We got to know one another. Had a great time in the Lord, and uh, we'll tell you about more events coming up, I'm sure. Hey, Matthew 28. Before I get into Matthew 28, a scripture came to me kind of late. It was a late entry into my message out of Isaiah 5. It was actually part of my Bible reading this week, and and I want to read it to you because it felt, it is so apropos to where we are as a nation right now. I did this Summer Breeze series starting, I don't know, a few months ago because it was summer. We're now into the fall almost. Summer, Breeze, Holy Spirit, and I just like the song Summer Breeze by Seals and Crofts back in the 70s, so it fit very well. It's a song really kind of just about normal summer life, if you listen to it, and the joys of it, and the breeze, and the smell in the air. But when I heard it, I just thought of the Spirit of God. I love the fact that the Holy Spirit is, is known as the wind of God, the breath of God. And so we've spent, I don't know, five or six, six weeks, I think, right now, just talking about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to continue in this. We're going to call it maybe Fall Breeze, or, or Firefall or something, I don't know what we're going to do, but something like that. So we're going to shift and continue to do it because I I love talking about the Holy Spirit. There's so much in Scripture about it. He is the empowerment that Jesus told us about that would come and touch us in such a way that would help us by the Spirit of God where sin would not be our master. That's, That's very powerful. Sin is not a big topic in the church right now, but it's happening in the church. 
And people now just learn how to modify it or how to adjust to it and how to handle it and how to kind of uh, coddle it in some ways rather than getting this spirit of death out of our lives and out of our homes. And so the Holy Spirit is there, but we, we sometimes do not recognize his authority and his power within our lives. Jesus could only be in one place. Through his shed blood, though, our lives have been marked, our very heart has been marked by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he said, it's good that I go because the Holy Spirit will come and he will teach you the things you need to know. He will reveal to you the deep things of the Spirit of God. He will help you understand. He will be your guide. He will be your counselor. He will be your peace that will come to you. And I don't know about you, but we're in a time right now where we need a whole lot of the Holy Spirit. And so in Isaiah chapter five, verse 20, keep your finger there in Matthew 28. I'll be right there. It says this in verse 20, it says, woe to those. This is Old Testament stuff here. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. You think that fits at all today in our culture? I mean, listen to this. Let me read it again. Woe to those. In other words, it's, it's horrible. It's, woe is a word that speaks to like the sense of judgment. Like, woe. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. In other words, it goes opposite to what the Holy Spirit is doing. How do we prepare for that? I don't know if you've been prepared for this or not. I'd like to think I've been, but I've had my days, you know. How do you prepare for, how do you prepare for to catch something that's coming at you? How do you prepare to be in a moment when stuff comes? And by the way, the odds are very good right now that there's more to come. There's this thing called the American election right now. It's just, I don't know, seven, eight weeks out, whatever it is. And all the, the secular prophets that are declaring, oh, this is gonna be horrible. We're not gonna have a president announced till probably after the inauguration. There's gonna be a constitutional, uh, what do they call it, constitution? Crisis, yes, just what we need. A constitutional crisis and there'll be riots in the streets. There's very few people out there that are saying, we're gonna get through this on the other side. And so we pray, we're praying, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and see that I will not come and heal your land. I mean, we all know that verse or we've heard that verse, but we understand too there's other verses that, that, where God said, don't listen to the false prophets. You're actually gonna be in captivity for a undisclosed amount of time, which ended up being 70 years of captivity. You say, well, we don't wanna claim that verse. <laughs> Whatever that prayer is, we don't wanna pray that prayer. I mean, no one ever prays prayers like, Lord, come at us really hard. Judge America, except for my house, but judge America, Lord. We're ready for it, Lord. You just don't pray, you don't pray, Lord, make me sick. I mean, you don't pray prayers like that. Lord, take my money. Lord, I want to be a Job. <laughs> Good thing we don't write our prayers to God. We, we speak them, otherwise we say, Lord, I need Job. 
Oh, no, I said job, Lord. <laughs> well, I thought you were talking about Job, so I just poured more on. I mean, it's a... <laughs> Thank the Lord. He listens to our cries. But sometimes what we're going through is a part of what's been arranged eternally by God in order to strengthen us. Did you know that he brought persecution into the early church in order to scatter them out of their little colloquialism, their little uh, tight unit that they were in? The only way he could get them apart was for persecution to come so they could be scattered out. Because Jesus had prophesied years before, 10 years before, go into all the world. He had prophesied the spirit will come upon you. You'll be witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. I mean, there's this go mentality. This Holy Spirit is not a stagnant spirit. In fact, he's just, you ever seen someone who's kind of in constant movement? You say, yeah, I'm looking at one right now. You, constant movement. You know, just whatever you call that. I don't know what that syndrome is. You gotta move all the time. In the spirit, that syndrome is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gets on you, and I don't wanna say you're agitated. I wanna say that you need expression for what you're feeling. And so the Holy Spirit comes in power in a time where people are confessing something totally opposite to the will and purpose of God. And I see Christians like lemmings going along just like, well, I don't know, that feels like the, it sounds like what God would say. Let me say, there's only one way you're gonna really know what God is saying. And that, he wrote a book. And if you read this book, in this book, it lays so much, I mean, there's like, there's circumstance. I know culture shifts, but values do not. And when you read this, you start to realize, oh, I mean, I read some things to people and they go, where is that from? I go, it's in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. No, it is. It is. You know, you, you start to look and say, wow, God actually addresses my situation right now. Some of you are in Esther. Some of you are in Nehemiah. Some of you are a Moses. Some of you are a Samson. You've been through very similar circumstances. And the Bible guides you through it so that you can go, okay, I know what he did thousands of years ago. I'm going to trust in the Lord also. And the Lord will blow your mind at what he can do in your circumstance. But the wineskin is as important. I shouldn't say it's as important. The wineskin, let's say it's an 80-20 rule. The wine is very important. The wineskin is important. The wineskin is a mentality, a mentality, a thought process of how you receive and accept something. And right now we are being shaped in America. However that's happening, I'm not smart enough to get it. I mean, there's so much fear out there right now. Did you know the fear is rampant right now? And if you, if you go on the internet, you go on social media, somebody is very willing to give you a little video to watch to increase the fear in your life. I watched one this morning. It just randomly popped up. I was watching a friend's video, and you know how it ends, and then it flips to the next video. The video is kind of tangentially related to it, but not directly related to it. And a video, you've probably even seen it, where this guy has, I think it's $100, $50, $20, $10, and $5 bill. And he shows, on the, I think it's on the $100 bill, I don't know. He folds it into an airplane, and you can see the Twin Towers in New York City. You see that? And it's an airplane. Like, how ironic. And, and being yesterday, or, or Friday, 9-11. And then he shows you the $50 bill where you, you fold it the same way into an airplane and it shows like the building being hit 
the two buildings are being hit by something. There's a plume of smoke coming out of it. And then you do the, the $20 bill and the building's beginning to collapse. I mean, I was there like, give me some potato chips, man. This is amazing. Wow. Now, it's interesting. It's strange. But it didn't encourage me. I felt like, whoa, we need to pray. Like, this is planned in the late 90s. Everything we're experiencing right now, this drip, drip IV of fear that's been put into America, particularly American Christians, were scared to death to be around one another, afraid of everything that's in front of them. And if someone sneezes at Walmart, everyone freaks out. <laughs> Before it was like, God bless you. Now it's like, I mean, don't sneeze. I've had sneezes where I wanted to sneeze. I'm like, what was that? I don't want to say. I might be put in prison. So we feel that fear that's out there, you know, it's like, whoa, whoa. And the Lord spoke to me on Friday and he, said, he showed me a picture of a baseball glove. I was just kind of minding my own business. But I know it was from him because I wasn't thinking about a baseball glove. And the baseball glove, and he said, remember, or your father, when you, when you were in Little League, and he got you that new glove, and, and it was all stiff, you know, so stiff, and he'd, he'd throw you the ball, and it would just roll out of the bottom of it, you know, and you're like, oh, man, this mitt's not going to help at all, you know. He says, here's what we do. We'll put a little bit of uh, uh, leather softening on that, and, and then we, I've got a little trick. We, of course, everyone does this, but he, he put the ball we were using, I think it might have been a T-ball, you know, those little league balls. And he put it in there and he wrapped the glove around it tightly with this oil that he had put in there, you know, to soften his glove up. And then he got some, some twine and he wrapped it around there. And I thought, well, man, that, he's ruining my new glove. I got up the next morning. We started taking that off. Of course, it opened it up. And it, it, the ball, the, the glove got shaped to the ball that was meant to go in it at the place that it needed to go. And so what happened, then it was like, whoa, man, feel that, man. It's just like wearing a regular glove. And he'd throw the ball, and it would go right into that spot. And I go, wow, amazing. The Holy Spirit said, that's what I'm doing to the church in America right now. He says, I'm tightening them up, rolling them up, and so that they can become familiar with the move of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, this move of God is a spirit and truth move. So it's the Spirit of God, and it's the Word of God. How do you know? You need to know the Holy Spirit. You learn to walk in the Spirit. You learn His ways. And I tell you, He is, he is amazing. He is, I'm trying to think of words that are respectful, but truly declare who He is. He's peculiar. His movement to me is different than what I feel with the Father and the Son. I know they're all one. But he's the one that is, I've preached on it all this summer, but he's so fluid. You know, he's so quick. He's clever. And he's funny. He does some things where you're like, all right. What's on the $5 bill? You know I mean? It's just, you, you, this is, he, he, so if you're religious, you will miss things that the Holy Spirit's doing. A religion, yeah, I use religion in a negative tone. So you're like, well, I'm religious, you know, but it's, a, it's in a negative tone. We don't want religion. Religion kills. We want relationship. We want to know Jesus Christ. 
And sometimes what Jesus would do, you're going to be shocked, what Jesus would do is different than what America would do. And so you've got to be shaped. Now, sometimes it's very similar to what America would do. But you become a discerner. And right now our minds are being shaped. In the midst of this, I feel the Lord's telling us to, to become shape shifters. That we need to actually shape our thinking according to the places we are. But the standard is the ball that's in the middle, which is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We've been shaped around that. We've been tied. We've had the oil in there. We are bound by the Spirit of God and we understand His ways. And I know when something is coming that is not going to fit into this pocket of my understanding and my precepts of who God is. And so I'm changing my thinking. The way you change your thinking, I love what the Bible says in many places. But I love what it says in Romans chapter 12 where it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be not conformed to this world. We conform to Jesus Christ. We conform. How do you do that? You gotta understand his word. You gotta understand the Spirit's ways. Holy Spirit has been sent to reveal Jesus Christ. So when you hang out with the Holy Spirit, when you realize I'm a man of the Spirit, I'm walking in the Spirit, that means that you are understanding more and more of Jesus Christ every day. And you see him in the circumstances in your life. And you get this nuanced view of what he would do. I love that John 3 passage. I may have quoted it last week because I do quote it a lot. The John 3 passage where it says, uh, don't, the spirit is, you know, we don't know where he came from. We don't know where he's going. I mean, it's just a sense of the whimsical move of the spirit of God. But then it adds this little part after that that says, and so are the, the people of God or something like that. So are, so are those who follow him or so are those who are born of the spirit. So when you're born of the spirit, you become spiritually whimsical. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're spiritually whimsical. Just tell them that. It feels good, doesn't it? What that means is, don't know where they've come from. Don't know where they're going. It doesn't mean we're people without purpose. It just means that we understand this is more like a river rather than a road. Rivers cut through difficult places in order to get to where they need to go. They're moved by the forces of nature and gravity that take them in certain directions. And it's amazing what they'll come through. If they come to an obstacle that's too big in their mind, they go right around it. And ultimately, over time, they will move that rock. Just give me a few thousand years and that rock will be broken down and be part of the stream bed. Believers are not bound by this weekend. What are we gonna do this weekend? What are we gonna do? It's not like that. We're ancient souls <laughs> moving with an ancient God who works all things for his good. Every situation, every scenario before God works for my good in the end. And with that confidence, I can stand there and say, wow, God's working for my good. Even though the mind molders are out there saying, good is evil and evil is really good. I mean, this whole thing of the, uh, the Netflix movie, uh, or a series or movie that's out. Uh, what's it called, Cindy? Cuties, yeah. You know, I, I heard a guy talk about it. I read some stuff on it. And it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's mind molding. It's mind shaping. They're trying to prepare for things that, that may not happen for 10 years from now or 20 years from now, but they're pushing culture into a direction in the most powerful medium they have, which is the media, particularly entertainment. 
And some people go, well, you don't understand it. I mean, you need to see it. I mean, I haven't seen it and I'm not going to see it, but I have listened to people giving reviews who did see it. And even they were very appalled at the suggestions and the feel that are within this movie. But it's being touted so largely. And I'm encouraged by this. When Netflix brought it out, particularly the poster they had that, that I'm told did not fully represent what the movie was about, but it, it caused such an uproar across America that they, they took it down. And I thought, well, there you go. See, there's things right now that are coming out where they're testing the waters, okay? No. We'll modify that. We'll bring it down. Just turn the, the heat was a little bit too much right now in the culture. Turn the heat down just a little bit. About two years from now, we can reintroduce that and turn the heat back up. But we're getting warmer, warmer, hot. We're influenced by the world over the influence of the Spirit of God. And eventually we get to where we cannot even discern the spirit of God. And our minds have been so shifted that we, ought, I, you know, I got up this morning, I felt the Lord say, I forgot what this was all about, but I felt the Lord say, you want the red pill or you want the blue pill? <laughs> I thought, red pill, blue pill. I can't remember which was bad, which was good. You know, so I looked it up. The red pill are for those that want to stay, no, Red pill are those who want to go down into the rabbit hole. They're chasing something that's going to be very uncomfortable, but it's going to hold truth. The blue pill is like you take that and you can just be the Christian you've been. Well, I love, I love, I just love being in the presence. I mean, it's like all hell is breaking loose across America, but I, I'm happy. I'm happy. That's the blue pill. Yeah, but you know what's going on? I, I, I don't. Don't shake my peace. Don't rattle my love. I like where I am. I'm a blue pill addict. You take the red pill though, all of a sudden it's like, Poom. oh, M-G. What is going on? Did you see the $5 bill? Oh, stuff is happening. I'm not aware of. That's right, you're in the matrix. You're discerning, you're learning. I'm telling you right now, there's people in America that are making the turn. They've been going along down the river like, oh, this is it. I mean, <laughs> said a guy, I heard a guy preach the other day and he, he, says, he says the error of big screens, skinny jeans and smoke machines is over. And I thought, well, what are we going to wear? <laughs> going to Jenko jeans back in the 90s? Elephant legs, bell bottoms? Like what's, I don't know. I don't know how that'll look on an old man. But I got what he was saying. He said the church has become so focused with image that they've missed what the, they could have missed. This is not a judgment statement. I, I really don't want this to be a judgment statement. There's plenty of things to judge right now, but this is not it. There's been an innocence and a leading down a path that's leaving us with, with a structure that has little substance. And so we have to now turn. We have to turn what the Bible calls repent. We turn and we, we realize, ah, it's so much more fun to be on a little inner tube going downstream. But now we've got to 
paddle against the current with a whole population of people that are coming at you downstream. You are going upstream because you know there's a huge waterfall down here and you're warning everyone along the way. No, 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 you're going the wrong direction. Begin to turn around. That's being a prophetic church and the church right now is being quickened. It's being awakened. It's starting to turn around. One of those mind benders that's come into the church through universalism and some, what Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer called cheap grace has robbed us of the urgency and understanding of people that are actually dying and going to hell. If you preach on hell right now, you're being judgmental, you're not being sensitive, you're not reading the scripture totally right. Jesus talked about it a lot. Whatever your view of hell is, I know this much, I do not want to be there. The thief on the cross picked that up. Who knows what he knew? He just knew he was next to somebody who had cool connections. He said, Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And I love this about Jesus. Jesus didn't say, what, what's your name? Enoch. Enoch. You know why I don't know your name? Because you've never been a follower of me. You never honored the Lord God. You're, you're going to die. It's going to be very painful. But it's going to be worse on the other side. He didn't do that. The guy just looks over. He's never given an offering. He's never been water baptized. He's not a follower of Jesus. But in the last moment of his life, he looks over and says, whoa, the grace of God, of all the crosses he could have been on, he got on the Jesus cross, on the hill where Jesus was. He looked over, he saw this man, even in his own pain, he saw this man, he heard this man, he said, oh, the other thief is cursing Jesus. But this thief looks over and says, hey, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? He didn't know what this meant. Until he understands it, but his heart is being touched. He's going countercultural, the thief on the other side, spewing out all these things over Jesus. You deserve to die. Oh, whatever he was saying on the other side, and the soldiers that were there. But there's one man on the cross who decides to go in the other direction. And Jesus looks at him, and there's no judgment at all. He looks at him and says, Today you will be with me in paradise. Yeah. Woo! You want to change your day. That's the grace of God. But through his Holy Spirit, he grants you a grace that sin will not be your master. You can actually live a life without the torment of death itself. And a lot of Christians in America, we don't realize that the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So even Christians that buy into a life of constant doing what they know in their heart they shouldn't do. When they buy into that, it eats away. And some say, well, they're gonna make, are they gonna make it to heaven? I am not the ultimate judge. I'll tell you this, the Bible does say some will make it in heaven as if out of the fire. You imagine that? I mean, they're feeling like they're being pulled down into the fire and heaven pull, starts pulling them up. I'm like, whoo, I made it. That prayer I prayed had some magic. It worked, it worked. And they're going to realize instantly, why did I not devote my entire life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Because all I experienced was the pain of death through sin throughout my life, through cheating, through 
gossiping, through judgments, through adultery, through this and that and alcoholism and all the other things I attached myself to, trying to dead the sense. I didn't realize that ultimately Jesus Christ, if I would seek first the kingdom of God, all everything else would be added to me. So thank God for the thief who spiritually turned and began to swim upstream. Jesus all of a sudden joined him somewhere in that stream and said, just follow me. I'll show you a city made of gold. I'll show you a place where we will rule and reign forever. That's the place I wanna be. So wherever hell is in your mind, no hell. Wherever heaven is in your mind, does it really have golden streets? Is that just symbolism? I don't really care. I just wanna be with him and all of you. I hope you all make it. <laughs> okay, Matthew 28. Matthew 28 says this. I'm change the subject real quick. Matthew 28. So Jesus came and spoke to them. This, once again, is last words of Jesus. He spoke and he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What is it? Why does he say that? I, well, there's probably a number of reasons why he said it, but here's what I got. He's clearing the way for them to understand. I've gone ahead of you. I've cleared the way. You can follow me in this. You have authority. You will have authority through the name of Jesus Christ. I tell people all the time, people say, I don't know how to pray. I say, forget about, forget about thinking of a prayer to pray. Just say Jesus. <laughs> no matter what you face, in the name of Jesus, you'll learn how to pray later on. You'll learn how to give your thoughts together and clarify. But right now, just go, Jesus! When you say Jesus in any circumstance, when you get a bill you didn't anticipate, you know, too much month, too little money. When you get that kind of a bill, you just, you cry out, Jesus. Cindy used to always say, Jesus, take the wheel. That's her form of a prayer. It's like this thing's out of control. Jesus, I'm gonna slide over, you take it. Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, enter into my life. He's cleared the path for you through his name. It says here in verse 19. Now remember, these are Jesus' last words. He's got several segments of last words. These are very important to Jesus. And he says, Jesus said, go. Everyone say go. go. Yes, yeah, see, Holy Spirit comes upon you. You are not stagnant. You, you gotta go. You gotta move. There's a mission. This is a restoration of the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was a, an idyllic place with everything they wanted. Adam had the ideal wife created by God and brought to him. And, and actually a poet, a, a poem came out of his mouth when he saw a woman. That's why women are so important because they create another aspect of understanding. He probably never thought of what a poem might be, but he said, out of my bones, out of my flesh, I will call her woman. It's, a, it's an ancient Hebrew poem. So he's, he's declaring things. This is a beautiful environment, trees they can eat of, and one that they can't, but shoot, they eat from everything else, you know, and that, and that environment, it's so amazing and awesome, and yet, and yet they got tempted, and they fell into the temptation, you know. But the mandate that was laid out there, I, I figure there was somewhere around 10 mandates in the, in the Garden of Eden. But the key ones that we remember are be fruitful and multiply. I had someone actually debate me recently and go, why do you focus on fruit all the time? Why, why do you mention fruit? I said, because J Jesus did. He said, you know, be fruitful and multiply. It was like the, one of the first commands he gave mankind is, is expand, multiply. That's why no matter what you have, there's fruitfulness, there's fruitful potential 
intentions of fruitfulness should be on every area of your life. You don't just do a job. You, cre you create a career. You make yourself indispensable because you're innovative, you're a thinker, you're a problem solver, you have ideas, you implement them, you create success for your boss. When you do that, it opens the pathway for promotion. Promotion comes from the Lord. That's what the Bible said. It doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from the Lord. And so as you devote yourself to the Lord, doors begin to open. Fruitfulness comes. So he tells us be fruitful and multiply. So in the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit comes, it's a rebirth of the original experiment that had difficulty attached to it. That now through the Spirit of God, he's saying one more time, be fruitful and multiply. And then he also said, he said, fill F-I-L-L, -L, fill, subdue, and rule. Subdue means put it under your feet. <laughs> I love that verse in Romans. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So there's, there's stuff that you're going to have to say. This is mine. By the grace of God, this is mine. Mine. He wants you to move. He doesn't want you to be a believer that's just here like, oh, yeah, 1983. I said a little prayer, gave my heart to Jesus. What did it do to you? Well, it made me feel really good. I feel really good. I've had my ups and downs, but I feel really good. What, what's God led you to do, huh? What do you mean? Well, what, what have you done from that? Like, what's, what's come up? No, no, it's not by works. No, I understand your salvation is not by works, but it is a faith that works. Faith without works is dead. Oh, I didn't read that verse. Where is that? It's in James. Faith without works is dead. Yeah, but I thought works was wrong. Well, works prior to does not get you salvation. But once the blood of Jesus is applied on your life, it's something that begins to move inside of you and you work. You do stuff. Did you know that work is actually a blessing of God? He told Adam and Eve to tend and keep. I don't know about you, that they were landscapers. Beginning this big garden, God planted it and he said, it's all yours. Here's your uh, hedge clippers. Here's your lawnmower. Get at it. Cultivate it. Make it beautiful. And so Adam was just like you and I, you know, every Saturday he's out there. He's uh, going back and forth. To and the Lord would come down and go, that was good. It's good. Well done. This is exactly what I dreamed of. I'm going to give you stuff. You're going to cultivate it. You're going to fashion it. And you're going to make it ex excellent. Amazing. Because you're sons and daughters of the living God. And so what does he do? He touches you and the first thing he says is, go, go. There is somewhere you need to go right now. And I'm not talking about you leaving town, leaving your spouse, leaving whatever. I'm talking about you being a person that comes out of yourself by the power of the Spirit of God and begins to engage with other people in order to fill, subdue, and rule. And we are living in a time in America right now where it feels, feels more risky than it ever did. Because right now there's, there's Christophobia in America. Anything Jesus is like, oh, it's narrow, it's, it's horrible, it's restricting, it's judgmental. I mean, they, they have put a line out over the church in America that has caused us to cower back and be afraid and be concerned. God bless Cheon who out in uh, Pasadena is standing up lovingly against the governor of California. He's actually filed a suit against California and the governor for not allowing their churches to meet together. They say it's gonna go all the way to the Supreme Court. I listened to him on a uh, YouTube video last night. 
an old friend from 40 years ago. I mean, to see that, all right, a man's taking a stand. He's actually partnered with John MacArthur, who's typically been against charismatic churches. But John MacArthur sees that we have a commonality in this, and he too is meeting in the midst of this pandemic, saying, no, 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 we need as a church to meet together. And so there's this, there's this move that's coming in people's hearts saying, wait a minute, this may be a small thing. And we, we, we didn't, I mean, we didn't resist it. We, we didn't meet for a couple months either because we thought, okay, this is something different. We haven't experienced it. We continue to have, you know, online services and things like that. But fortunately, we did have a governor begin to open the door. And when he did, we took advantage of that. If he hadn't, we don't know what we would do. But I, I, I kind of think that, that you begin to swim back upstream. You say, you know what? There's a line that's got to be drawn somewhere that says, wait a minute, this is too much. Cuties is across the line. You know, maybe not meeting publicly for a short season is acceptable, but somewhere there's a line that that crosses where we got to say, wait a minute, in order to keep this America, this nation going in the direction we need to go, we need to stand up, we need to speak up, and we need to vote. So, Jesus says go. I know I'm over, just give me a minute, sorry. This is all my introduction. It really is. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. It doesn't say make disciples in the nations. It says, it says disciple nations. In other words, this is my dream for America. My dream for America is that the church of America would have strong authority and power. We're not the ruling class. We're influencers. In fact, when you look through the Bible, it's almost always second-tier people that are influencing the country. Nehemiah, Esther, Moses, all the Joseph, all of them are, are never the grand rulers, typically. Now, there are some that are. But they're ones right there influencing and shaping the destiny of even nations that were not God-fearing nations. So if you see an army of people in America rising up who are swimming against the tide, and I'm going to go out, and I'm going to speak about Jesus Christ. I'm going to declare his goodness, because right now there's been so much fear sown into this nation that somebody needs to step up and interrupt conversations and say, hey, are you a Jesus follower? Why would you ask that? Because I saw something on you. I heard something about you. I dreamed about you last night. Whatever is truthful, you speak to them and say, and if nothing else, you just say, because I know that God loves you, and I was wondering if you started following him yet. You say something like that, and I'm telling you, within two minutes, you're at the gate of their soul, and they will open up to you. They'll tell you, I had a lady in a few weeks ago in a car. I just looked in the window and said something to her, and she, she told me her whole life in, in three or four minutes. And I just said, that's sad. I said, but you know what? God's got a better choice for you right now. And she's like, well, I hope so. And so I worked on that and just talked to her for about five or seven minutes, did what I thought I should do, backed off planted the seeds I knew that should be planted. And I was reminded once again, every single person out there is waiting for some, some kind of a supernatural encounter by God, but there's nobody out there doing it. If you step up and you say, I am gonna be shaped by the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna do what the Holy Spirit has said. I'm gonna make disciples of nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, including go. All of you are called to go. One last one, just stand up with me if you could. Actually, I'm gonna skip that one. 
one another one. Oh, so many good verses to use. Second Corinthians chapter two, I love this. I brought some incense with me. I hope you're not offended. Used to use this all the time back in the 70s. Cinnamon. Cinnamon. It says this. Now thanks be to God. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Does that sound like a cowering? Broken? Separated, lonely soul? <laughs> no. I give thanks to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us, everyone say through us. through us. That's every one of you. And through us. So in other words, he leads you in triumph through you. There's triumph in your life right now. He leads you in triumph through you. He diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Let's just try this man here, Jay. Learn from this, Jay. There we go. You're not going yet. Just hold on, we're almost done here. Oh, slow light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Now what you do, Jay, is you get this, and you go, whoa. You smell it? <laughs> yeah, his heart's not right. Can you see that? Look at that. You know what it says in the next verse? For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Everywhere you go. Just say, I mean, what do you smell like when you come into a room? Are you like a, are you like a wet blanket on the party? Ah, oh, wits here. <laughs> Jeez, boring. Or are you the one that comes in and everyone goes, oh, Witt's here. Steve Witt, I don't know what it is. When I'm with him, I just feel better. When I'm with him, I, just, I don't know if it's the cologne he's using. I don't know what it is, but it's just like atmospheres change when he comes in. He's a room changer. He's an atmosphere changer. It's the aroma of Christ, trust me. It's the aroma of Christ. God wants to light you up with the presence of his spirit. As you walk around every day, you walk into a room, atmospheres will change. The old saying in the Bethel movement is, do you wanna be a thermometer or a thermostat? A thermometer can say, it's pretty cold in here right now. A thermostat says we need a little more heat. Let me adjust the temperature. Jesus inside of you. Lord, I pray for everyone here right now in the name of Jesus that your hand would rest upon them, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for them. Ask, Lord, that you would light something in each one of us today. Some of you feel the pressure of the culture pulling you down to the downstream. I encourage you right now, commit your life fully to Jesus Christ. Your path out of this scenario is to embrace the calling and the effect and the value of who Jesus is in your life. And if you've never done that, if you've never asked Jesus to come in your life, if we can put up our contact number, our text number up here, 
for those who are going to receive the Lord. If you're here and you say, you know, I, I never received Jesus, or I once prayed a prayer, but I've been far from God. I mean, I, I don't even, I don't really know that much, but, but I feel something stirring in my heart right now. That's the Holy Spirit right now. He's speaking into your heart. If that's you right now, all you have to do, really, all you have to do is turn. Over and over in the Bible, it says, turn, repent, turn. What does that mean? So you're going upstream now. And the Holy Spirit's going to help you. You're turning and you're moving toward Jesus Christ. So all you need to pray is you need to pray and say, Jesus, I, I turn to you. I long for you, for my identity. Who am I? For my destiny. Where am I going? I turn to you. Right across this room as we just wait in the presence of the Lord. If you're here today and, and in your heart, you feel that turn going on. You feel like, yeah, I don't, I'm not comfortable with where, where we're going right now. Where I, I, I want to I go against the flow. I want the Holy Spirit to come and touch my life. I want to follow Jesus Christ all the days of my life. If that's you, raise your hand around the room. I want to pray for you right now. You feel the turning going on in your life. See one right here? Anyone? Anyone else? I don't want to miss anyone over here. Anyone else? Keep it up too. Yes. Yeah. Anyone else? I don't want to miss anybody. Three in the back there. Yeah. Okay. Three people. There's probably a couple more. I felt there was a few more. Let me tell you something. You just made the best decision in your life. And yeah, we thank the Lord for that. And if you can't take a picture of this with your phone. Later on, you text that with your, with your name, and we've got a, a, a little video there. I'll greet you on the video, talk with you. We want to get you, get you, give you swimming lessons <laughs> to be able to go against this flow. Let me tell you, you will never regret this decision. The presence and power of God will move in your life in amazing ways. Join a good Bible church like this one. Join a good church. Get to know some people. Get strengthened in the Lord. Amazing things are going to happen. The rest of you, I want to bless you. Is there anything else we need to do, Jay? Okay. I want to bless you in your rising up, lying down, coming in and going forth. I rebuke fear right now in the name of Jesus. I rebuke fear that's dripping in every one of their lives daily. I rebuke it. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. And so I speak power, love, and sound mind of this entire church. And let me tell you, we are in this together. We will always be here, as far as I know. We'll always be here. And we're gonna continue to pursue the Lord Jesus Christ, become a part of this community, and I bless you to find believers that you can actually grow and move in and debate with and love and experience Christ in. I bless you with community, koinonia, fellowship in the name of Jesus that you will move on to the end of your days when you will realize that was the best decision of my life. And like the thief on the cross, you say, Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? He's going to say, yes, yes, today. You'll be with me in paradise. And just like that, you're going to go into the presence of the Lord. I bless this congregation with faith. I bless them with boldness and strength to speak their heart, not their minds. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.